Hey, Dave. Nice to be here again. Hey, buddy. How are you? Pretty good. Tired. I mean, I need to get a coffee after this, but other than that, pretty good. Pretty good. Awesome. Good for you. I'm doing great. Good to see you. And, you know, it's a little cold here in Tennessee. I know it's cold in New York, and I'm so thrilled. Cold here. I'm so thrilled to travel with you virtually to Puerto Rico today. And even though Puerto Rico is not a state, it's still very much part of the U.S. of A. And um, Josh always wants to do the interesting and exciting places. So we decided on trying Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, indeed. And uh, we've got a very interesting and cool person on. That's right. Kevin Gersh from Gersh Academy is going to be on the show. Uh, Gersh Academy is a place that started in New York, but has since spread all over the place. New Hampshire, uh, Seattle, um, Puerto Rico. So uh, really, really exciting to have him on. And what an interesting and incredible mind. Right, Josh? Yeah, really. And he, the thing about him is he keeps it really real. So every now and then he may go into something which may be me like a serious or a trigger um just we want to let you know that in advance but it's because this guy's keeping it real he's not holding anything back and i think that's something kind of admirable that you you keep it real you keep it raw and um, so you really let people know what's up yeah it is super admirable and uh that said you know he is someone who it thinks differently like josh and like myself and so as someone who has a couple of years on us he had a, a different experience just like my experience was different than josh's um growing up and, and in school. So that one part kind of sticks out to me. Uh, so that being said, um, let's, let's go to the clip. Roll it. Thank you so much, Kevin Gersh, for being on here. It's awesome to have you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Can you tell us about yourself and Gersh Academy? Sure. Um, my name is Kevin Gersh, and I, I'm the CEO, but I, I'm more proud of the CAO title, which is Chief Autism Officer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started the company 30 years ago. I've been working with kids on the spectrum for 30 years. Um, I, I grew up um, in Huntington, Long Island, and my father owned a day camp. So ever since I could remember, I was working with children you know, cleaning toilet bowls and picking up garbage and watching my father handle children. And I think I really learned from him that, you know, the way to make a child happy is to customize their environment to meet their strengths and weaknesses. And I learned that from a very young age. My father was an educator. And, um, and then I opened the Montessori school in 1985 with my father. And then we had a child on the spectrum through going through our, our program. And back then, in, in you know, 1991, autism wasn't on anyone's radar. And we had a child with Asperger's. And instead of kicking him out, like my teachers wanted to, you know, they wanted to go, oh, he doesn't, he's not appropriate, he doesn't belong here. He doesn't follow direction. Instead of, you know, and I remember the story, it goes really well, it's funny that the teacher came to me and, and she said, I think we should expel this child. I'm like, how old is he? He's four. I'm like, you can't handle a four-year-old? I mean, what kind of teacher are you? So I walk into the classroom and I'm, and I'm looking at all the children I'm, and, I'm, and I'm a trained Montessorian. And I'm like, the classroom looks fine. It's operating perfectly fine. And they say, no, look, he's under the desk reading a book. And I look and the child's quietly reading a book. And I look, I'm like, is that the right book? Because they have different book reading. And she goes, yeah. I said, oh boy. So instead of getting rid of the child, I fired the teacher. 
And, um, and, and I replaced the teacher because she didn't get it. She didn't understand that Montessori is about following the child, that child had Asperger's. And instead of asking him to change his behavior to meet the classroom needs, I changed the classroom environment to meet his, his needs. Let him go to the gym, let him take breaks, let him wear a hat, wear sunglasses, deal with his sensory issues, deal with his, with his ADD. And he did very well. Child had a 127 IQ and that child was on the spectrum. And that's how I started uh, Gersh Academy with customizing a child, customizing programming for one child. And uh, I, it's been my journey ever since. Wow. Um, what, what a story. We love Inception stories, but yours is an, especially special to me. And I have to say that I kind of see a lot of, kind of Josh and, and I and you and your story in that we kind of, no, we kind of fell into this very naturally because of our own experiences in our life. And, uh, you know, we share your passion for uh, making the world work for everybody. So I think that that's so neat and so special. Thank you for sharing all that incredibly insightful and interesting information. Yeah, I mean, I also, I mean, I love the energy so far. I love the energy. I'm someone who's really big and like, I pick up on energy. And I think that's like a lot of positive energy. And it's all like legitimate. So that's awesome. All right. So with that being said, what about you personally makes you uniquely qualified for this role? Well, I can tell you if on my tombstone, they, they write Kevin Gersh, Lace here, Kevin Gersh, change the world of autism. That's all I need to put. That's my life's mission is to change the world of autism. And I consider myself a disruptor because um, my own personal journey, my first memory of school was in kindergarten by Mrs. C in West Hills Elementary School in Huntington being tied to my chair with a jump rope and my mouth taped shut. That's because I have ADD and I was dyslexic. I wouldn't shut up and I wouldn't sit still. So her answer was to tie me to my chair and tape my mouth shut. And I think ever since that experience and, and all, all through my elementary school, my dyslexia, I couldn't read. I was in the lowest reading group. I was, I was felt, I was made to feel stupid, but I knew I wasn't. I would have to cheat on spelling tests. I mean, I had every gimmick for cheating on spelling tests because I didn't want to get a 20 when everyone else is getting hundreds. And when I started working with, with, with children, it just made sense to me. And then I, and then I, then I studied under Dr. Ross Green, who wrote The Explosive Child. I'm familiar with his work. And um, he was out of Harvard, a psychologist out of Harvard. And I went and I, got, and I studied under him. And I got level three trained in his philosophy. And he was just training psychologists to do talk therapy. And I was the first like school guy who ran a school and I took what they were doing and talk therapy because I loved his philosophy of follow the child, you know, collaborating with the child and putting their concerns. In. And I brought that back to my school environment and I trained my teachers in collaborative problem solving. And we, and we just, to this day, we, we look at children's behavior differently. We look if children are not doing well, what are we doing wrong? Obviously we're not setting the situation up for success. And that's, that's a unique, you know, perspective that, you know, it, it's our responsibility to create the environment where the child can, can succeed. It's not, 
a 12 year old responsibility who was on the spectrum to, to change their behavior to meet the classroom needs. Yeah. As someone who, who grew up kind of in the shadows of your New York locations uh, I've always uh, seen, seen it, wondered about it, heard about it and knew that it was different from a lot of other places. Uh, and it's really interesting to hear about the inception and the, the kind of the mind and minds behind it and, and your extremely lofty, but critical goal of making sure people are set up for success, no matter how they think, um, it, it's really inspiring. Very cool. Yeah. Also then like your name is known like around the autism community. I remember like when I, when I was a kid, my mom, I, I forgot what the thing was, but I remember my mom just mentioned the name Gersh. I, I have no clue in what context or anything, but maybe, I just remembered. Maybe you almost went to the school. That, that, that is a possibility. Um, that is, but I can't like say for absolutely sure. Um, but like, so with, with that being said, like, so what would you say makes Gersh different than other schools? One thing is that we individualize and we customize the programming around the child and every child's different. And we look at children, you know, if a child's hitting the ground and melting down with, and he's nonverbal, He's screaming, this situation is not working for me. It's about reading the child's language and, and giving them a voice and understanding that we're here to serve them. They're not here to change who they are to, 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 to meet our expectations. If I said to you, I'll give you a million dollars today, you'd be like, great, what do I got to do? Just change your eye color. Go ahead, come on, let's go, change your eye color. You know, that's what we do. So, and that's what we do in public education. You know, we expect children to be able to shape and change their behavior to meet the expectations of a classroom without looking at, is it, is it a reasonable request? And when your expectation exceeds their capability, you get a meltdown. It's not rocket scientists. If you ask me to spell and keep hounding me to spell properly and spell properly and to write a paragraph, you're going to have a 250-pound 6'2 guy really pissed off. Because guess what? I can't do it. I want to make you happy, but I can't. So when you come from that perspective, I think it looks different. It just feels different. And the children respond differently. You walk in, if you're ever around one of my schools, just knock on the door and walk in. You don't need an appointment and feel the difference in our buildings. People say when they come to visit, I'm talking about superintendents. I'm talking about guys that have been in hundreds of buildings. They walk in, they're like, I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but it feels different. Like everyone's so happy. Everyone's saying good morning to me. I'm like, like, what is this place? Like, what do you put in the water? And that's, that's what we do, you know, and, you know, and I kind of, and I try to really create environments that are unique. Like in West Hempstead, we have an equine program. Kids get to go play with horses. In Seattle, we have a zoo. In Puerto Rico, we have a beach. In, you know, in New Hampshire, I have a swimming pool and I have skiing and, and, you know, you try to create these environments to give our kids experiences like any other child. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I can go on and on. I really like that. The experience thing really um, spoke to me because, you know, 
I remember, like, as a kid, I wouldn't get, like, people wouldn't want to come to, like, birthday parties and stuff with me, so my mom would, like, take me, this was, like, maybe in middle school or something, my mom would take me to, like, um, the Intrepid, which is a aircraft carrier, because mm-hmm. especially just with air aviation, then, and I would bring one friend, so I'd get a birthday experience, too, so I can re, I understand exactly what I think what you're getting at with the whole create the experiences like other kids because um if you aren't gonna be getting social like you still should like you have to have stuff and like so I think that's extremely important and awesome of you to be doing that in your programs yeah for sure and that being said so we've talked about Gersh in general we've talked about the philosophy we've talked about New York a little bit uh but I just heard you say that you have a beach uh in Puerto Rico that's pretty neat. Um, so let's get on to Puerto Rico. As you know, um, or maybe you don't if you haven't listened, we're on a virtual inclusion tour where we're virtually stopping in a different place every month. And so virtually. so we could have stopped at Gersh Academy in New Hampshire or in Seattle or in New York. We chose Puerto Rico because, you know, we know that it's a very reputable program in Puerto Rico. So tell us, where does Puerto Rico come in and why did you decide to expand there? Oh, man, it's, it's a great story. So I belong to a group called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. It's basically entrepreneurial leaders and, you know, because it's lonely at the top. And, and, I, and I was at an at a, at a event in Mexico. A very wealthy gentleman, business owner from, from Mexico, heard that another YPO owns these schools for autism. So he walks up to me and he says, you know, you Kevin Gerson, he goes, I have a son with autism. And he has, and at the time he had the second largest law firm in all of South America, thousands of employees, you know, unlimited resources, and his child was struggling. And, and he had him in the best private school. And he says, can you come and open a school in Mexico? And he goes, I'll send my plane for you. I'm like, you have a plane? What? <laughs> and, he, and he sent me a private plane. He flew me to Mexico. And I started doing all this research and I realized that they have nothing there. And then I started doing, then I went to his home. I met his child. I connected with, and his son, he was like, he couldn't believe how well the child connected with me. And I realized the way, I don't know this culture. So I got to learn the Spanish culture. And then I read an article about the Puerto Rican government returned $325 million back to the U.S. of special ed funding because they didn't know how to spend it. I know how to spend U.S. dollars. And that's why I went to Puerto Rico. I said, if I'm going to learn this culture, I got to do it in my backyard where I know how to get the money. And then I hooked up with Sheila Friedman, who's an amazing educator. And I met this woman. She was running us um, an, an art education program. And I just, I, when I met her, I said, she's my partner. And I said, let's take your school and convert it to a school for autism. And she goes, well, I don't know anything about autism. I said, you don't need to, I do. And we just paired up and now we have the largest program in all the Caribbean. And it was out of the need of just like, you know, trying to solve a problem. And now we have over, you know, we have three locations in Puerto Rico. We have a contract with the board of education that we are their resource. So instead of sending them to a public school and failing, the Puerto Rican government sent them to me and we educate them for the Puerto Rican government. Wow, that's awesome. I just have to say the part about the private jet. I mean, if anyone's been listening to a lot of these, you won't be surprised. I found that that's amazing. So um, anything related to lucky. planes, anything related to planes, not sure if you know 
Mr. Gersh, but anything related to planes, uh, Josh is all about. So, Mr. Gersh, um, we focus a lot about like work, work experiences, work opportunities here on uh, Sounds Like Autism. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the vocational um, experiences provided at Gersh? Puerto Rico has very unique vocational programs because the, the hotel and restaurant industry is very robust and we have developed a reputation and relationships where they welcome our children into those job opportunities. So we currently have children pre-COVID and you know we're getting back into it, working in hotels in the laundry department, mm -hmm. changing sheets, um, cleaning rooms, sweeping floors, putting, picking up all the chairs at the end of the dinner shift so somebody can come in and clean. Doing some of the, uh, the mundane regimented that has to happen, watering the plants. I mean, some of these skills are just, you know, that, you know, who wants to come in and water the plants every day? Well, our kids do a great job doing it. Uh, Genevieve's books, Genevieve's uh, grocery store, um, restaurants, hotels. Awesome. All right. Um, so uh, with that being said, what are your corporate um, partners um, views of the work that your participants do for them? It was 16 handles. It was a yogurt store in uh, Long Island. You know, it, of course we know 16 handles. As a foodie, I know it very well. And we and we and, and we developed a relationship when we were sending our kids there, and they were cleaning the the yogurt machine and cutting the vegetables, and and then one of the ch children that couldn't do it got sick, or whatever, and the owner called me goes, hey Kevin, you think you can send some more kids back to work? I'm like, sure, of course we can. That's great. I'm like, why? What's what's company? He goes, well, your kids clean the machine and cut the, the vegetables better than any of my kids that I hire. They, you know, a quarter inch is a quarter inch, and 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 they and they spend more time. And and when the yoga machine's clean, it's spotless. And that's when I kind of was like, wow. And then we were working at Mama Soups, and one of our nonverbal children would spend, and you know, what is the most tedious job was taking a fork and a spoon, putting it in a napkin, rolling it up, and then slipping it into this plastic sleeve, right? The owner said, our kids did it, did four times as many as a normal <laughs> work. He's not on his phone and it's therapeutic. He just rolls it and puts it in all day long. That's exactly what we thought and we're hoping you were going to say. Absolutely. So, um, great, great answer. What I'm, what I'm noticing about Gersh Academy in general, wherever it is, is that it's a certain kind of, I guess, workplace culture and a certain culture within these schools that clearly comes from the top and comes from you, your ideas and you promoting it. How do you kind of, as a leader, you know, uh, of people in the space of, of, um, vocational training and community inclusion. I'd like to know, how do you kind of maintain that magic? Uh, how do you maintain workplace culture and a high standard for your uh, job coaches and support personnel across all of your locations, including Puerto Rico? Good question. You find leaders and individuals with the it factor. And it's not a doctorate. It's not a master's. It's the empathy and the energy and the compassion 
to change a child's life. It's the it factor. Some people have it, some people don't. And that is our criteria for hiring people. You have to have the it factor. And it's, and you know, it's no different than JetBlue. You know, JetBlue has this, you know, everyone's so friendly on JetBlue. And I once asked, you know, one of the principals at JetBlue, I said, how do you get your, your employees to be so friendly? And he looked at me and he goes, we hire friendly people. I'm like, no, <laughs> we hire people that have the it factor. And that's how we do it. And yeah, first and foremost, you have to have the energy and the compassion and the willingness to change a child's life. After that, we can teach anything. All right, I think that's really awesome, the it factor, what you're talking about, because it's more about personality and who the person is. Instead of like the like corporate thing where it's like, oh, well, your experience says this, so maybe you are not the right fit. Oh, well, with this, I think it's more real. And um, so I think for, especially working with folks with differences, I think that is um, really the way to go. Really, um, I like that a lot. I just felt like I had to say that. I agree. And I think as, as someone who kind of promotes their own uh, brand of, of workplace culture and expectations, I think it's just so important to only be bringing on people that are motivated by the, the mission in particular. Um, and not, not that it's just a, 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 another jo- nine to five job, you know? Um, I think that that is way more important than experience. And I love that you, you could say you could teach them anything. Uh, it's the it factor. I think that's great. And speaking of teaching people things, if you could teach the world, we like to close with this question. If you could teach the world one thing about your program or about autistic people, um, what would that be? How competent they are. How able they are. I use the analogy that, you know, 50 years ago, men coming back from war in wheelchairs couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go to a deli, couldn't go to the doctor because they didn't build, they didn't have handicap accessibility. Well, I believe our society hasn't built handicap ramps for autism. And if I could do one thing is to build those handicap ramps to teach them how to navigate our society and show how competent and how able our kids on the spectrum and young adults are. How come we don't, how come we're not putting these kids and people on on, on a pedestal and going, okay, how are they gonna help change the world? Rather than going, oh, well, you know, they're kind of socially awkward and we're not, you know, they said the wrong thing. So if I could, my goal is to, and the way to do it is not by talking about it. I'm a man of action. I'm I'm gonna give these kids jobs. I'm gonna show them what they're capable of. And then I'm gonna turn around and go, you see guys, it can be done. So stop talking and saying it can't be done. Here, if I can do it, so can you. And that's, and that's my, you know, method of just saying, you know, talk is cheap. Mr. Gersh, Kevin, if I may, I think we're friends now. Um, I love, <laughs> I, I love everything that you said. And I especially love your comments about wheelchair ramps. Um, in, in Josh and I's TEDx talk in 2019, we talk about the curb cut effect, which if you don't know, is the effect that the world has from designing it for people that are different from you. So people, everyone benefits from curb cuts and they were a pain to get put into place. And now they're even on my little quiet block in Tennessee, right? But who benefits? People with strollers. Yes, people with wheelchairs, Amazon delivery people, right? We all have something to gain 
from designing the world from people who are different. Right, Josh? Sounds like the TEDx. It and sounds like the TEDx, which you could hear it. You could find it on our website, soundslikeautism.com. And another awesome thing, which you can find on our website, I'm going for it, Dave, is our merchandise, which include hats. Like if you're watching YouTube, you see what Dave's wearing or see what the shirt I'm wearing. These are amazing things. They're, they're produced um, in a facility which um, has at least 75% of the workers are on the autism spectrum. I also have to work there for my day job. So it's all good all around. And I guarantee it will look good on you. If you want, if Santa is running late with the list this year, Santa may want to stop by soundslikeautism.com. Trust me, Santa, you won't be sorry. And yeah, so soundslikeautism.com, spectrumdesigns.org. Thank you so much for Spectrum Designs uh, for making those. And then most importantly, Mr. Gersh, Kevin Gersh from Gersh Academy. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. It was an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Love the energy you brought, by the way. All right. So, Josh, what is going on? How's everything? Not much. Um, what about you? Nothing. Uh, a little close call. I don't know if you saw on the news, but there was a big tornado uh, in oh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Oh, man, I forgot. That was by you. It came two miles from my house, which is really horrifying. Uh, everything else. Did you is- see it? Uh, no, but I saw it on online. It was only a, an eight minute drive from my house. So that's pretty, that's pretty scary. Oh man. man, that's crazy. Yep. That, oh man. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that's, um, that's All a good. lot. So I guess we'll see everyone on the other side next year, right? Yeah. All right. Well, everyone have a happy and safe new year. That's right. Uh, thank you. And who knows where we'll end up next. What's close to Puerto Rico. I don't even know. The ocean. We, yeah, we got to get back. We got to get we got to get back somehow by boat, by virtual plane, something back to the continental U.S. And if you have a suggestion, feel free to hit us up at soundslikeautism.com at soundslikeautism on all social media um, and let us know where we should stop next. And I'll add it to my handy dandy spreadsheet. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. All right. Thank you. Have a good one.